you by Christian Family Church International. Well, family, what a great theme we've been following over the last couple of weekends. But before we get into it today, I want to take this opportunity and thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for this great privilege and honor to share the Word of God today. Well, as you know, for the last couple of weeks, we've been on this subject. It's complicated, but it doesn't have to be. And you know that Pastor Johnny started off and he covered the five lies. Pastor Andre spoke a few weeks ago about being one in marriage. And then Pastor Jenny covered the subject about finances and how that is not complicated. Amen. And today, I'm going to continue with how to heal toxic relationships under the banner. It's complicated and it doesn't have to be. So let us open in prayer before we get into it today. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for bringing us together to spend time in your word, to hear from you what you have regarding this subject. And we always remind ourselves that without you, we can do nothing. So Heavenly Father, we give this time to you. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and speak through me today, to bless the lives of your family, that your word would penetrate deep in their heart and bring change to them. And in advance, we want to give you alone all the praise, the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, family, you know, under the subject on how to heal top toxic relationships, you know, as a country, we've really been facing some challenges with relationships. You've seen on the news the gender-based violence. You've seen challenges in homes and how people have really been ill-treated during this lockdown and that's never God's plan. God wants a unified family. He wants relationships to be strong and so I believe this message is going to help us all that we can treat each other the way God wants us to so we can have healed relationships and not toxic ones. And so with that today we are going to look at three words on how to heal toxic relationships. That's what we're going to do. Just three words, and I believe that's going to set an amazing foundation in your life for you to walk in victory. You know, there's a city in Oklahoma that a few decades ago, they had 20,000 people living in it. And today, it has zero. It has zero people living in it. Why? Well, there were lead and tin mines that polluted the soil, the air, and 36% of the children had lead poisoning and today it's completely a ghost town. It's a toxic place. And just as a city can become toxic through that, as we've seen, so can a culture, a culture can become toxic. And you know, if we just look at our country, in fact, if you look all around the world at the moment, there are people who are just toxic in their relationships on all these different social media platforms. You see on Facebook and Instagram and just how people have no regard for one another. They blast each other. They just say what they want to say. They don't have a respect or care for some people. They just get out there and they do what they want. And family, in the same way, a relationship can become toxic if we are not careful. And it can deteriorate very quickly on a person. Do you know that in, on Amazon, if you go look on Amazon, there are over 2,000 books with the title Toxic Relationships. Either in the title or in the header, it has that subject, Toxic Relationships. And these relationships, 
They cover all kinds, whether it's marriage, whether it's children, whether it's your in-laws, or some of you might think they're your outlaws, but it covers all those things. Now, obviously, we cannot cover all that is written in those 2,000 books, but today, we can look at one story and three words. So we're going to read from the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verse 23. But just before we get there, let me tell you what happened just before that portion of Scripture in verse 23. What, what happened was the children of Israel were very excited. They were happy because what had happened is they were then released from captivity and they had passed through the Red Sea and they saw their enemy defeated. They saw Pharaoh's armies completely defeated behind them. They saw their past, their toxic past, swallowed up in the sea, and their their enemy was totally defeated. They had crossed over the Red Sea. They were on the other side, and they were singing and dancing. They were praising God. They were happy because that toxicity had disappeared. The, The slavery they came out of was gone. But listen to this. Just three days after that singing and dancing, three days later, they ran out of water. And you know, when people run out of water, they can very quickly lose their joy, amen. When there's no water around, they can very quickly lose their joy. And so what happened was they started grumbling and complaining. They started moaning, we don't have water. Come on, Moses, what are we gonna do? And so they then were traveling and they came across a lake and they gave it the name Mara because when they got down to drink the water, it was bitter. And they discovered then that this lake was toxic. And the Bible says this now in Exodus 15, 23, it says this. When they came to Mara, they could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter. Therefore, they named it Mara. And the people grumbled against Moses. Can you see that? Grumbling. Once again, they started to become toxic. They started to moan and complain with, uh, to Moses. So just three days before, they're singing happy. There's no more toxicity. But now a few days later, they're unhappy again and they, cr- cr- they are grumbling and complaining. And so they were saying to Moses, what shall we drink? And he then cried out to God. And he carries on in verse 25 and it says, and the Lord showed him a tree. Now that's a strange statement. Yeah, we've got people grumbling and complaining. The water's bitter and God shows him a tree. Wouldn't you say that's a strange thing to show Moses? But you see, that was a very important tree. It was very significant. And so then Moses takes the tree and the Bible says, and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. So this tree, once it was thrown into the water, it turned their bitterness to blessing. They went from bitterness to blessing. That's what happened. And I believe, family, that today as we go on this subject, that your toxic relationships are going to go from bitterness to blessing. I believe that that miracle tree that Moses threw into the water that caused the change, this word is going to do that change for you and your families and any relationships that you might have that are toxic. So today I want to talk to you about three miracle trees or three important words. And the amazing thing that happened straight after the water turned sweet. Listen to this. Straight after that, the very next verse, God says to Moses, I want to tell you what my name is. I want to tell you my name. My name is the Lord who heals you. 
Jehovah Rapha. He is the healer. He's the, he is the physician. And you see, family, He healed that situation for them. He changed that toxicity around for them. And He introduced Himself to Moses as the healer because He wants to heal His people. He wants to heal you. He wants you to walk in victory. And His name for you today is Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. You see, family, sometimes it takes a bitter, toxic relationship for us to learn that God is our healer. If you've never ever been through a challenge in your life, if you've never had a difficulty, you would not know God as the healer. You would not know Him as the way maker. You would not know Him as the God who can do more than enough if you've never been through a challenge. So our challenges help us to reach out to God. God doesn't bring them, but He definitely brings us through them. Amen. And many of us have been through so many challenges. And I know many of you have seen so many challenges. I understand that it's been very difficult for you. But these three things that I'm going to give you today, I believe will transform those toxic relationships in your life. I'd like to encourage you to write them down. If you don't have a pen and paper, go get one quickly. Better still, why don't you just grab the church app and use the notes in there and just follow on there. That'll be awesome because these words are so important. And so today, let's start off with the first one. And that is the tree of honor. The first one is a tree of honor. We're going to look at the word honor. You see, the tree of honor um, is like the gravity of every relationship. Honor is like a gravity of every relationship. Let me read it to you this way. That honor is the gravity that pulls everybody together. Without it, there's no way of people coming together. We need honor in order for us to be drawn together. If there's no honor, family, people just drift apart. So we have to start with honor. I'd love to give you an illustration of honor, and I believe this will help you as we go forward. There's a story being told of a soldier. And one day, a storm brewed and came up, and the clouds were coming over. It was getting dark, and this uh, massive storm was raging. There was lightning, and there was thunder, and the flag was still flying up on a pole. And so this military soldier walked up to the flag in the middle of the storm while the lightning's flashing. He stood there for a moment. He put his hand on his heart. He looked up at the flag. He saluted the flag. Now, why did he do that? You see, why did he stop in that dangerous time, salute the flag, take it down, fold it neatly, and walk away? Because, family, that flag means more than just a piece of cloth. It's more than just a cloth painted with different colors on it. It means more than that. You see, when the soldier looks at the flag, he looks through the flag. He looks past the flag to hundreds and thousands of people who served their country, who served this country. When a soldier looks at that, he looks at the price that was paid. They paid dearly for it. That's what the soldiers did. You see, in every country, there's somebody that went before so that we could have what we have today. And those soldiers paid dearly. Many, it even cost them their lives. And you see, family, the Lord wants us to see that as a definition of honor. He wants us to look past the outward part. He wants us to look past the physical part, the human part. He wants us to see through that to the image of God in another person. That's what he wants. 
You see, it doesn't matter what's on the outside. If a person is a, on, on the street and homeless and they have dirty clothes or they, or they dress differently to you and I or wear their hair in a way that we might not like it, if they even come from a different religious background or anything that's different, none of that matters, family. Nothing on the outside matters. You see, God wants to, us to look to how the person was created in His image and likeness. And for his purpose and, uh, and for his plan for that person. He wants us to see that person as a redeemed human being. And so when we look at a person, we're looking past what the challenge might be. We're looking to see them as God sees them. And that's a definition of how you honor people. And we, we need to look back at our lives and ask the Lord to forgive us. For, for when we have looked at somebody just from an outward perspective, when we've judged them from the outside, we need to say, Lord, forgive me for that. If I've looked at them in a way and already made a judgment at them because of what I see on the outside, please forgive me for that, Lord, because they are made in your image and likeness. And you know, family, that's a great definition of honor. If I'm going to honor you, I need to look past the things that disappoint me. I need to look past the things that are on the outside, but look to the price that Jesus paid. Just like the soldier looking at the flag, he looks beyond that flag. He looks to the price that was paid. And that's why he can salute and show honor. And we need to do the same. You see, family, that's what heals marriages. Allow me for a moment just to speak about marriages. You know, when we talk about marriage, if honor does not form the basis of that marriage, it will fall apart. That has to be the basis. Yes, Jesus is Lord of every marriage and should be, but we need to show honor to one another. If we're not, that marriage is going to fall apart. Why? Because there is no gravity pulling it together. But when you honor each other, not for how you look, you are looking to this individual person before God. That's what you're doing. You're looking at them in the eyes of God. You're saying in a marriage, if your marriage is toxic, you're saying, I might not be happy with where this marriage is, but I'm going to honor the person I'm in this relationship with because they're made in the image and likeness of God. In 1 Peter 3 verse 7, the Bible says this, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. That's so important. We have got to show understanding to our wives, man. We have to. God put it in there because he knows we have to be understanding. He goes on to say, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, I want to say this to you. Women are, generally, they are definitely weaker than men physically. I know there are some very strong ladies that uh, do this heavy weight lifting in the Olympics and they can lift several hundred kilograms. But generally what God is saying here, that the woman is the weaker vessel. That's what she is. And we need to show her honor, the Bible says. And it goes on to say, since they are heirs with you of the grace of God. They are an heir with you. Jesus paid the same price for them as he did for every man. Same price. Let me tell you, if your wife came home and said to you, guess what? My long lost uncle has just left me 50 million rand. I'm an heir to that 50 million rand. I can assure you many men will be treating their wives very differently. They'll say, come here, honey. They want to treat you differently, right? But you see, God is saying, we've got to remember who they are in his eyes. They are heirs with you of the grace of life. 
And this is very important. It goes on to say, you need to treat them this way so that your prayers may not be hindered. So men, if you want your prayers hindered, just dishonor your wife. Just dishonor them and your prayers will be hindered. We also see from this verse how we are to treat our wives. You see that word vessel that we wrote, read in the scripture? That word vessel is actually from the root word vase. A vase. You know a vase that you put your flowers in that's either made out of glass or crystal, a glass or crystal container? That's what that word vessel means. Why is God using that example? Well, you all know that you treat a glass vase very differently to the way you might treat a tin mug. If you were washing a tin mug and you were cleaning it, you'd be rough with it and throw it around. Why? Because it's a tin. It's strong. It's hard. It takes a lot to damage it. But if I now gave you a thin crystal vase or a glass vase and asked you to wash that, you would treat it very differently. You'd wash it more gently. You would put it down more gently because it can break easy. And God is saying, men, that's how we are to honor our wives. We are to treat them like that because that's who they are. You see, we need to do other things to honor our wives. Some of us men need to just change the way we think. We need to, in other words, say, hey, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to open the car door for my wife or a house door for my wife. I'm going to go ahead of them. I'm going to do that for them and change the way I do things. That's showing honor to them. So if you have never done that before, why don't you make that decision today? When you go outside and you're about to go out somewhere, why don't you open the car door for your wife? The first thing you need to do is open the car door. And for many of you, the second thing you have to do is pick up your wife because she's going to faint and want to know, who's this man? He's never done this for me. But it starts somewhere, amen? We need to do that. Little things to show her honor. Opening the, the, the car door, the house door, wherever you go. Do you know that Queen Elizabeth has never opened a door in public her whole life? She's been shown honor and respect. Do you know that she's never ever had a driver's license? She's been chauffeured around her whole life. She's been treated with honor and respect. And we need to do the same. We need to do those little things for our wives to show them that we honor them. Now, I'm sure the ladies are all very excited about what I'm saying right now. And you probably want to grab your phone and SMS a friend and tell them, hey, I've got some good news for you. You need to listen to this. You need to play this for your husband. But before you do, do you know that there are several verses just before this one that are written to ladies to honor their husbands, to show respect to their husbands? It says, listen to this, it says, even if your husband does not serve the Lord, show him respect and he will be saved as he beholds your respectful behavior. Isn't that powerful? If you show him respect, even though it may be difficult for you, I understand it can be difficult and hard for you to do that, but if you show him respect, you, you can win him over to the Lord. Now, as I mentioned, I know that that can be very difficult for some ladies, and, and it can be hard because some men can be so stubborn and difficult, and perhaps they've treated you that way. And I understand that. But you know, when you look at the exterior of him, it's hard. But when you look past him to the image of God, and you know the Bible does say that he's the head of the marriage. Honor that about him. Honor the fact that the Bible says he's the head of the marriage. Show him that honor and respect. Treat him that way and he will start to act that way. So ladies, when you go out 
And maybe this week you're going to do some grocery shopping and you drive out there, you go do your grocery shopping, you get home from the shopping. Let's just say you've got 10 or 12 bags of shopping. You get home, they're in the car. You get out the car, you open the door and you call for your husband, lovey, won't you come help me? And you wait a few minutes and nobody comes. So you do it yourself, you carry them in, it takes you five or 10 minutes, you get them into the kitchen, you unpack them. And then you go looking for him. Where is this man? I'm looking for him. I called him, he didn't come. And you look for him. And you walk past the lounge, and there he's on the couch, sitting there, with a remote in his hand, fast asleep, mouth open, stomach maybe on the floor, <laughs> lying there. And you look at him, and you think to yourself, look at what I married. <laughs> I don't need this. Ladies, when that thought hits your mind, I want you to think back to this message. Think back. He's the head of this family, and I want to show him honor. I want to show him honor. And if you will do that, I believe you'll start healing that relationship. Listen to this. This is very powerful. Listen to this. When a wife is trying to outdo her husband to show honor, and the husband is trying to outdo the wife to show honor, family, that is the basis of healing of any marriage. If I'm going to outdo my wife and she's going to outdo me to show honor and show respect and do those little things, I can guarantee you that you're going to have a recipe to heal that relationship. It's going to be bringing you together. Remember that honor is the gravity that brings you together. You know, and, and not only should we be doing this in marriage, but we need to apply this to everybody. You see, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.17, look what it says. It says this, honor all men. I need to show honor to everybody. Yes, to my spouse. Yes, to my children. But to everybody, even if that person is of a different religious group or the person is, is, is of a different uh, lifestyle choices, honor them. The Bible says we must honor all people. You know, I've had the privilege to travel to different countries and, and, and we get in and out of airports and, and on airplanes and, and I want to help people. If they're struggling with their suitcase to get it in the overhead hangar, I honor them. I help them with those things. I want to honor all people. But look what else it says. It goes on in the second half. It says, honor the emperor. Honor the emperor. Now, you need to understand when Peter wrote that, at that time, Nero was the emperor. And he was the worst Caesar in the history of Rome. Do you know that he burnt Rome to the ground and he blamed it on Christians? And then after that, he then crucified them in his gardens by covering them in pitch and lighting them on fire. Now you say, that's wild. That's hard to honor somebody like that. But God says we must show honor to all those in authority. And we need to honor our leaders. Even if you think differently of them, you need to show them honor. Why? Because honor is looking past the person to the position and office that they are sitting in. That's what it is. I'm honoring the position or the office. And if you will do that, God will bless you. You see, family, honor is just the foundation. It's just the foundation. You give honor, then comes trust. You first give the honor. If I'm not going to give the honor, it's going to be very difficult for trust to come. And that brings us to our second word or the second tree, and that's a tree of trust, a tree of trust. You see, family, trust does take time. It does. You give honor, I understand, but trust does take time. I'm sure you've all heard of the President Ronald Reagan. Well, Ronald Reagan, many years ago, signed a treaty with Gorbachev 
to disarm nuclear weapons. That's what he did. And he said to, to Gorbachev, he says, I want to send you a team to Russia to see that you have disarmed these nuclear missiles. And Gorbachev said this. He said, don't you trust us? Don't you trust us? And Ronald Reagan made this amazing classic statement. He said, trust but verify. Trust but verify. You see, family, when a person is on one side completely and they are totally gullible, we have to make sure that we don't just have blind trust. Now, it's better to have blind trust than to be completely on the other side. I understand that. But you have to be careful that you're not taken advantage of if you just have complete blind trust. And that's why he said, we trust but verify. And then there are some people completely on the other side. They are completely on the other side of the coin and they have no trust at all. They only trust themselves. They are very analytical. And so if there is any imperfection, they're already putting suspicion into everything. If there's one small thing that a person does wrong, then they put suspicion in there. And you see, you cannot be either gullible, trusting everybody, or distrusting, trusting no one but yourself. You see, family, God tells us in his word that we need to have smart trust. In other words, be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. That's important. Wise and gentle. That's what he says. He wants us to, to choose to automatically, automatically trust people. That's what he wants us to do. If we can choose to, to start giving that trust, that's what builds a culture of trust. Andy Stanley uh, talks about gaps. He's got a message and he talks about gaps. And this is very important. This is going to help you so much. You know, we need to know that people close to you will disappoint you. They will. And what makes them disappoint you is the expectations that we might have of them. You see, what is disappointment? Disappointment is simply this. If I have an expectation and then there's reality and the two meet, then I get disappointed because my expectations didn't meet what I saw in reality and I get disappointed. And so what happens is when a person has these expectations and the people let them down, it creates gaps. You see, when those expectations are not met, it creates suspicion, which then creates this gap. So if people are letting us down, we have a gap. We have this distancing, this, 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 this unsure of, 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 of this person. And Stephen Covey says this. Listen to this. I love these words. He says, we judge ourselves by our intentions and everyone else by their behavior. That's powerful. Let me read that again. We judge ourselves by our intentions and everyone else by their behavior. We trust ourselves, but we don't trust others. You know, when people have a flaw or a failure, they create that gap. That's what happens. That gap is then created. But let me give you an illustration of how we should deal with those situations. Can you imagine if I was holding a meeting and you were invited to the meeting and there were several people that were invited to that meeting and let's just say it was a business meeting. And we arrive on time and everybody's there and we start the meeting and off we go and I'm speaking to you, I'm doing the presentation. And 15, 20 minutes later, somebody walks in and they walk in late and they just walk in and sit down. Now it's very easy for me to look at that person and think, gee was they are so disrespectful. How can they just walk in here late? Don't they respect us? Don't they have respect for me? They just come in late. They're not concerned about my time. It's all about their life. They don't even worry. 
What should happen is this family. We should go to the person afterwards and we should ask them, hey man, tell me what happened. What took place there? Why were you late? And find out the reason. And that person might say something like this, you know what? We are just uh, new parents and our little baby kept us up the whole night and uh, we never got to sleep. And, and when I did fall asleep, I overslept. I'm really sorry. I, I don't normally do this. You see, family, if we approach them with trust and not suspicion, that'll help us. That's the way to do it. This is how we are to then treat our wives and our husbands or our neighbor. You come to them with trust and ask them to help fill in the gap. You say to them, help me. And when they give you their reason, that fills in the gap. It breaks away that, that uh, the distrust. You see, I need to know, do I put trust in the gap or do I put suspicion in the gap? We need to put trust in. If we put trust in together with honor, then we are ready for loyalty. And that's the next and third one. And that's loyalty. It's a tree of loyalty. If you don't honor people, you will never get to loyalty. You have to start with honor if you want to get to loyalty. So what does loyalty mean? Loyalty means, family, I'm here. No matter what, I'm here. I'm in it for the long haul. That's loyalty. You know, the psalmist said it best. He said this, the steadfast love of the Lord never fails. I love that, steadfast. Wouldn't you want steadfast love? You see, love can be fickle or love can be steadfast. Love can be disposable or love can be indestructible. It can be loyal and should be loyal. And when we say our vows, people, when they go to say their vows, they say things like for better or for worse, in sickness and in health. They make those statements. But it's so sad that many people, when they're even making those vows, their mind is on something else. They're possibly thinking, well, if this doesn't work, I'm going to find a way out. But they haven't even started yet. You know, when we make those statements, we need to mean it. When I made that statement to my wife, I meant it. I meant I'm there for better or for worse, in sickness and in health. Now I do understand. I really understand that there are some marriages that are facing some very difficult challenges. And I want to reach out to you. If that's your relationship, if it's toxic, you know, we have a wonderful team of counselors here. And they'll help you find freedom. You can just send your information to info at CFC. And we'll reach out to you. We want to help you. And you know, family, I believe that God wants to heal every relationship. And I believe He can. No matter how difficult it may be, I believe He can. I want to show you something. Look at God's name. You know, God gave His name to Moses. And it's a long name. The Bible even tells us there's about 25 names for God. But look at what Exodus 34 from verse 6 says. It says this. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger. Gee, we can learn from that, amen. Slow to anger and abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. Keeping loyal love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Isn't that amazing? You see, that's the name that God gave to Moses when he walked past him. He gave him that name. What does that mean? Well, family, that's the definition of loyalty. It, it took him one verse, it took God one whole verse to describe what we understand in the English language as loyalty. What means I'm with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God said that in Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's loyalty. 
And then when the Bible says these words, a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. We read that in the scriptures. That word cleave in the Hebrew, do you know that word means glue? Glue. Have you ever got super glue stuck on your fingers? Have you ever, has that ever happened to you? You got it between your fingers. Now your fingers are stuck together. You can't get them apart. You're pulling, you're pulling. It's difficult. You try to wedge something in there to separate it. And it might even split the skin a bit. God wants you to stick together. He wants us to be together. And so when you get married, family, it's a serious thing. It's not a little contract. It's a covenant. It's a covenant that you enter into. You see, loyalty is about compassion, grace, and patience. That's what it's about. If a marriage is going to last 50 or 60 years or longer, you are going to have to have compassion. You're going to have to have grace and patience. You know, I think of marriages that have been through so many difficulties for years upon years. They've had financial challenges. They've had rebellious children that may be stuck on drugs or alcohol. And you know, when a marriage has lasted for over 60 years and they look back at all those challenges, none of that matters. They got through it. Why? Because of loyalty, compassion, and grace. Because of those values, they got through it. And the second one is, is a second quality is abounding in loyal love and faithfulness, which means, this is what it means. I'm going to stick with you through good times and bad, through good times and bad. I'm committed to an imperfect person. I love these words. You see, family, marriage is a commitment to an imperfect person. You're not marrying somebody that's, that's perfect. They are, they have flaws. They are human. They are going to make mistakes. They're going to make wrong decisions. But you committed to that imperfect person. And I'm staying with them. That's what you say. I'm going to stay with them. You know, Billy Graham's wife, her name is Ruth. She said this after being married for many, many years. She said, we never speak of divorce. We never speak of divorce. Murder, yes, but not divorce. Now, obviously, she was making a, a joke. But we're never going to get divorced. Loyalty is about faithfulness and forgiveness. You have to just make up your mind to stay in it. You know, Jesus said in Luke 17 from verse 3, He said these words. We're going to read them now. It says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. In other words, be honest with him. Tell him, hey man, that's not right. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you, seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Loyalty is about determined, obligated, fierce loyalty to a covenant. And that's what it is. You know, Jim Evans has a book and this book is titled The Four Laws of Love. And in this book, they did a study of people who were in troubled, unhappy marriages. So they were in troubled, unhappy marriages and then they had a look at what happened at the end. After years and years, what happened? And this is what they found. Listen to this. 86% of people who said their marriages were unhappy and troubled, five years later said their marriages were very happy. Isn't that interesting? What happened? All they did was they chose to just hang in there. We have to do this. We have to hang in there. We can get through the struggles and the difficulties if we hang in there. 
So friend, if you are struggling in a toxic relationship, I want you to take a step back and today choose to start with honor and look past the person to what they need. Then begin to build trust. Remember, honor is given, but trust is built. And once we build some trust, we then can move into the loyalty stage. So as we come to a close here this morning, let me give you some takeaways. What can I do to heal a toxic relationship? Well, number one, start with honor. Start with honor. Honor every difficult person. Think of the person that's most difficult now. Start to honor that person. Look past the person to the image of God. Number two, place trust in every gap instead of suspicion. Work on building trust. Believe the best in the person. Ask them to fill in the gap. Tell me what happened. And number three, ask God to give you compassion, patience, loyalty, and forgiveness. If you will do these three things, I believe you can heal every toxic relationship. Amen. So let's go back to our original story. You know, when Moses threw that tree into the water, I'm sure most of you can figure out what that tree represented. What did that tree represent? That tree represented the cross. That's what it represented. You know, the Bible says that cursed is everyone who's nailed to a tree. Christ hanging between two thieves, covered in his own blood. The toxic crowd around him was shouting his name, blaspheming him and laughing at his nakedness. And he, Jesus, carried the blasphemy. He carried the abuse. He carried the rejection. You know, friend, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what's making the lake toxic. But Jesus, he looked up to heaven and he said to the Father, will you forgive them? They don't know what they're doing. He was on that cross looking up to God. He looked past the people to their problems, to their needs. Now, friend, I don't know where you are right now or what you have done, what you're going through. But today, today I want to ask you, make right with a loving God. Choose to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you will start with doing that, you can move on to healing any relationship because God will give you the strength to overcome those difficulties. So right now, wherever you are in your home, why don't you just bow your head? I want to give you an opportunity to make right with God. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I want to encourage you, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, pray this prayer with me. If you've drifted away, pray this prayer with me. Let's make right today. Come on, family. Say this with me right now, wherever you are watching from. Dear Father, I come to you today just as I am. Please forgive me for every sin. I do believe that Jesus is Lord. And I choose today to forgive everybody that has hurt me. Every toxic relationship that has hurt me, I choose to forgive them right now. And I thank you that I am now part of your loving family. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome to the family of God. I'm so proud of the decision that you've made today. Won't you please, friend, let me know that you've made this decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And just text us, SMS us the word, I'm saved to 4991. And if you will do that, 
We will keep you in prayer and we'd love to reach out to you. But we love you. God bless you. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 